We turn in God's Word this evening to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. Uh, for those of you visiting, we are on a series uh, making our way through the book of Colossians. So uh, tonight we begin chapter 3 of that. I think this is probably sermon number 10, somewhere along that line in Colossians Tonight we're going to consider verses 1 through 4, although I would say at the onset uh, the, the, the way in which the Spirit is having Paul write this, uh, this, this simply sets the stage in a sense for the action part that comes uh, in the next following verses. And yet, if we just look at the action without that which Paul sets before us, uh, we're, we're going to miss the point that Paul is making as to why we would do, for example, verse 5, put to death, therefore, what is earthly, and put on the righteousness of Christ. So, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 4, let us hear then God's breathed out word. If then you have been raised with Christ, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. As far the reading of God's word. Brother Greg, if you offer prayer once again. Father, only a few short minutes ago, I spoke about how our learning never ends when it comes to you, Lord. We, we will be learning the rest of our lives. And this is a good example we can take four, a short passage from the Bible, and yet the message can be very great, very wonderful. So we pray that tonight you will be with us to take it into our, open our hearts and our minds, and we pray for Pastor Bob as he delivers a message. All this we ask in Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Three things from this passage. First of all, raised with Christ. Raised with Christ. What does Paul mean by the fact that if then you have been raised with Christ? Secondly, seek the things. And thirdly, set your mind. So raised with Christ, seek the things, set your mind. We have to understand again the context. Uh, we have gone over this a number of times. But there, there are various things at play that are going on here with this church at Colossa. A small church, a house church. It's not a mega church. It's not even the size of our congregation this evening, most likely. It's a small church, but there are threats to those who are the believers in Jesus Christ. There are threats to those who are the saints. The threat comes in the fact that there 
is the ongoing threat. And, and this is true of us as well. It's not just true of the Colossians. It's true of us. It's true of Liam. And there is the ongoing threat to revert back to a former way of life. If you think about the Colossians, these are not people raised in Christian homes, trained in Christian homes. There are not generations of Christians in Colossae. These folks are first generation believers. They come out of either some form of Judaism of the day, but more than likely they came out of paganism. And there is always that tension to revert back. There is always that pull and that draw of Satan to go back, to leave Christ, to put a Christ aside. And to just go back. There is this, this constant threat to you and I as believers of relying solely upon Jesus Christ. Now, into that context where, where there is this pull upon these these first-generation Christians, many of whom have been Christians maybe for less than five years by the time Paul writes this. So it's not like they're mature in the faith after 50 years of Christian living and we're going, well, why are you pulled back? Even though many of our elderly saints will attest to the fact that growing old doesn't necessarily mean that the pull and tug of Satan is any less. Here they are, new Christians. What do we do? How do, how, do we, how do we deal with this? There isn't this book. They probably don't even have copies of the Old Testament in scrolls. There are those who are coming and offering them advice. Say, you, you want to stay on the right track? Here, here's a long list of rules. If you keep all of these rules, you'll stay on the right track. But as we have looked at over the course of time, the problem is then one relies upon the long list of rules and Christ is still forgotten. There are those who are offering, well, you see, the problem is you're concentrating too much on Christ. And Christ, he had that physical body and, you know, that, that's just kind of secondary to take on flesh like us as persons. I, I mean, how can Christ deliver you because he had flesh? What you really need to be doing is you really need to be looking to the angels. You need to be worshiping the angels. Others are coming in and offering them the, the advice that, that what you do is you should develop that ascetic lifestyle. Just remove yourself from the world. Just remove yourself from society. Remove yourself from all the physical things of this life. Go live on top of a pole for 30 years. Go be a hermit somewhere. All of these pieces of advice are coming to 
to these new believers at Colossae. Paul, in this letter, is trying to say, no, 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 no. (laughs) These are bad pieces of advice. These are heretical pieces of advice. These are ungodly. These are not Christ. You need to hear Christ again. Let me tell you again. Let me teach you again. Let me draw you again back to Christ. Now maybe you look at your life tonight and you go, well, I'm certainly not in the same shape that that these Colossian believers were in. No, but maybe there's there's just some sins that you just find really tough to deal with. And oftentimes what you do is you just give up and you go back. Yeah, you're a Christian, but you believe in Jesus Christ, so it's sort of like, okay, I'll just go back. What's the harm of indulging the flesh? Or maybe you've come to the point of you've indulged the flesh in some way and, and, and it's sort of like, but I don't know how to fight against that. That urge comes, that desire comes, that sinful nature that I have just, just lures me and draws me and it takes me there and I can't do anything about it. I'm weak, I'm helpless against it. And you need to listen this evening. If you are a strong believer in Jesus Christ and you don't deal with any besetting sin, you're lying. You're not telling the truth. Because we all do. We all do, to some degree, to some extent. But even if, if you would look at it and say, yeah, but it's... It, I, I'm not really struggling with it, Pastor Bob. And the question is, well, what are you going to do when you do struggle with it? How are you going to deal with it when it does come your way? Liam made vows a little while ago that he was going to do all to put to death sin and to seek to live and to lead a godly life. That's part of our vows when we make profession of faith. That's part of your vow that you have made as members here or if you've made a profession of faith. If you're a Christian, it's the Christian's vow that you have made. What does Paul say? If then you have been raised with Christ, The if then is not a question. We kind of read it that way, right? To us, if then, well, maybe not. Maybe that leaves room. That's not the way it comes off in Greek. In in Greek, what, what Paul is saying is, the reality is, you have been raised with Christ. 
The truth of the matter is, that's what you are. Paul's stated this in a different way back in chapter 2, 13 and 14. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He made alive. We have been made alive together with Christ, having forgiven us all of our sins. If then, the reality is, you are a Christian. You are a believer. Paul is not doubting whether or not these Colossian believers who are under this enormous power and influence of outsiders who are dealing with the struggle the enormous struggle that rises within our own hearts, our own lives, even as Christians dealing with sin. Oh, you can't be a Christian then. Oh, you must not be a Christian. That's not what Paul says. Paul says, no, the reality is you are believers. Since it is true that you are in union with Christ, That's the way to read this. The reality is you are in union. You are united to Christ. You're united to Christ by God's grace through faith in Christ alone. Verse 3, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. See, you're raised with Christ. That's Paul's point. You're raised with Christ. And because you are raised with Christ, here is the reality. Christ lives in you. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God when Christ, who is your life, appears. That's not something remote. That's not something distant. That's something that is ever-present. William Hendrickson, in commenting on this passage, writes the following. Christ is both the object of our faith, but also the source of our life. Yes, he's that who I believe in as my deliverer, but he is also, as Liam testified in his vow, he is also my sovereign Lord. He is my life. In what sense is he my life? Christ's power fills us. We have new life. We have new way of thinking. We have new power. We have new strength. Because it's Christ who lives within us. Keep your finger here. Go with me to 2 Corinthians. Book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verse 10. 
This is the famous passage that begins in verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay. But look where Paul goes with it in verse 10. Always carrying in the body, that is our body, the death of Jesus. So that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Manifested, shown, demonstrated. The life of Christ shown, demonstrated that he is alive. Where? In us. Our lives become this testimony of Christ's power. Become a testimony of Christ's strength. Become a testimony of Christ's victory. Become a testimony of the fact that Christ has conquered. Think of how we think about the resurrection. Think what happens when we come to Resurrection Sunday and we think of that tomb being empty. And we sing, we sing those songs of great power. Up from the grave he arose. Yes, the one who rose from the grave fills our lives. That power is the power in your heart, in my heart, in our lives. It's manifested. It is shown. Go with me to Galatians. Page forward from 2 Corinthians to the book of Galatians. Chapter 2. When you hear it in a nutshell, you're still, you're still going, oh, I don't know, Pastor Bob, I don't know about this. This is a, this is a quote we know. We, we know this. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Or what? But Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Who lives in me? Christ. So Paul is looking at these Colossians. He's looking at you and me. God's word is living and active. The Holy Spirit's still bringing it to us. And he's saying, look, you're being drawn back You've been raised with Christ. Christ's power, Christ's strength fills you. You're, you're dealing with a sin you're, you're, you're not getting the grip on. Christ's power fills you. See, sin will never be conquered by a physical plan. Sin can only be conquered by a spiritual means. And the only one I know who has conquered sin is Christ. But Christ isn't off somewhere distant. Christ is here. Christ is in you. So what does Paul say to do? First, seek. Seek the things that are above. 
where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Hey, what, what are we to do, Paul? Okay, so, so we're Christians, we're believers, Christ fills us. What, what do you want us to do? Seek. Seek the things that are above. A persevering effort. It's, it's the effort that, it's the same idea that Jesus gave us in, in Matthew chapter 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's the same seeking and searching uh, of the merchant who goes seeking and searching for a pearl of great value. But you see, it's not the seeking that the emphasis falls on. It's the object of the seeking. Seek the things that are above. Seek the spiritual things of life. You're dealing with a sin, perhaps, of sexual immorality. Seek the purity of that which is above. Pursue that purity. And that's where we go next week in those verses. You can read ahead and see where Paul is taking us. But seek, pursue it. Seek that where Christ is, where Christ is, where Christ exists in that physical body that he had here upon earth. He is present with us, how? Spiritually. But where is he? He is present physically in glory. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. He is alive. He has conquered. He is the victor. Victory in Jesus. Why? Because Jesus is the victor. Jesus is the conqueror. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. Ever stop to think about interesting little words that that Paul brings up in this passage where Christ is seated? Christ is seated. We go, what's that mean? Well, go back to Colossians chapter 1, 15 through 23. What, What does Paul describe? He is the supreme one. Christ is the ruler of all. He's sitting. What does that mean? He's in charge. He's in control. Hopefully you've never been in a courtroom situation other than as an observer. But what happens? We're all seated, right? And then the judge walks in. Everyone rise. When do you sit down? Only when the judge sits. Why? Because he is the presiding authority. Christ is seated. Paul mentions that. Paul says that. So immediately, these Colossians would understand. Oh, 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 it's like the Caesar sitting in his big chair. It's like a king sitting on his throne. And people come to him. They come to him. They beg of him. They acknowledge him. They prostrate themselves before him. But he doesn't have to do that. He sits. Why? Because he is the sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. 
in that position of power, in that position of right, in that position of authority. But you see, the one who sits upon the throne is the one who also grants. Seek, Lord, please. And the one who is above, who has authority and power, grants. See, what options have the Colossians been given? Every option that the Colossians have been given is an earthly thing. It's either dealing with the legalism of the law, it's dealing with asceticism, or it's dealing with human mind and human reasoning in this worship of angels. All they've been offered is earthly. Paul is setting before them that which is heavenly. Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is. The Lord, Psalm 110.1, the Lord says unto my Lord, sit at my right hand. Jesus quotes that to the Pharisees and the Pharisees get all out of sorts because they know what it means. They know he's referencing himself. He is the one to be looking to. Since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things where the resurrected one is. Seek that which is spiritual, not that which is earthly. Set your mind. Right? Seek the things that are above. Verse 2, set your mind on things that are above. What does it mean to set one's mind? It means to ponder, to reflect. It means to dwell on. It means not to have a fleeting thought every once in a while about spiritual matters of life. It's not like, oh yeah, I had a spiritual thought last month. Oh, I wonder why I'm struggling with sin. It's to, it's to deepen this relationship that we have with Christ. To deepen it by setting our mind, by fixing our mind, by pondering the spiritual things of life. Paul, in writing to the Philippians, set your mind. Think, think about that which is pure. Think about that which is holy. Think about that which is lovely. Think. Think. Colossians. Think. Of Christ. Think of the spiritual things of Christ. Think of the blessings of Christ. Think of the fruit of Christ. Dealing with sin, struggling. You're thinking about stepping back, 
Now, Liam, I offer this this evening, and this message is in no way intended because Pastor Bob has some sort of gut feeling that I'm really concerned about Liam and this profession, and I'm just not sure he's in it for the long haul. That's not why the message is being preached. In reality, this message is being preached to my own heart and to every other believer here, to you as well, because this is our struggle. You have entered in to a great struggle. But you chose the hymn. Right? Yes, it's a great struggle. But the victory has already been achieved. The victory is already Christ. The victory is already His. Set your mind not on the temporary things, the sinful desires, the sinful passions, the sinful cravings, that which our sinful nature would have us do, that are contrary to the things of God. No, set our mind on those eternal things. Verse 5. Put to death, therefore. Don't think about these Temporary things, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, uncircumcised and circumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on them, put on them as God's chosen one, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these things, oh, here it is. Isn't this interesting? See how these things work out providentially? And above all these things, what? And the greatest of these is love. And above all these things, put on love. There's Liam's verse. And above all, the greatest of these is love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving in your heart to God. And whatever you do, In word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the victory that is ours in Christ. But that doesn't mean we don't struggle. No, we do. Even the Colossians were struggling. But you, by the work of your Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul, put before them a vision. (laughs) A vision not uh, 
supposedly of angels and communications, but a vision of Christ, seated in absolute control, with absolute power and authority. And in our struggle, your spirit tells us you're a believer, you're a Christian. God's grace has become known to you. Seek. Seek the things that are above and set your mind. Not on the temporary, not on the earthly, but set your mind on that which is eternal. To death and, and then get to work. Put to death and put on. Father, bless us in this week. In all that we do, may Jesus Christ be praised. And God's people say, Amen.